The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett joins us with Hackett Financial Advisors. As we look at what's happening in the market trade action today, no surprise when the numbers came out yesterday afternoon from the USDA, we did see a big jump. Minnesota, Sean, I think was the leader of the pack when it came to corn planting in the upper Midwest. And and you've said it and commodity brokers all around have said it. Once we got those planters in the field, there was no holding back. Right. Unfortunately, we, we, we jumped from winter conditions to almost so many places, summertime conditions, that really allowed soil moisture, to, uh, soil temperatures to, to rise and really allowed the planters to really, you know, really go after it. And so, um, you know, so it looks like we're going to get most of the acres planted. We still think there might be a shift to soybean acres in the northern tier, uh, grain belt at, at, at a cost to some corn acres, but for the most part, we don't see, you know, acres not getting in the ground like many were worried about two or three weeks ago. And as you said, we really have shifted. And, and we know that there's still a second crop happening in South America. But the focus has really started to switch under the northern hemisphere and what it's going to mean for this year's growing season. Yeah, well, I mean, the market always, you know, eventually transitions. And I think we've traded South America for as much as we can. we got a USDA report and the Brazilian government came out with their estimates. And I think the market's getting comfortable with whatever production is going to be down there and, and it's priced it in so it's looking ahead and you know we're so so where we are now is planting is moving along we're getting everything in the ground and it looks like we're going to get off to a, a pretty good start and and then we have to see what mother nature looks like our view when we looked at weather years when we transitioned from la nina over to el nino with some other variables that we have like a negative qbo uh, which is an e- upper eastern uh, weather uh, wind pattern, uh, it tended to produce a, co- a cooler than normal July and a cooler than normal August, especially when it occurred on a solar cycle trough. So when we look at that outlook, if we're going to get a weather scare, dry the grains, it's going to be front-end loaded because it does look like June could be hot with some dry patches. So we would be looking for the first part of the summer you give us a weather scare, we think after that it's going to be pretty hard to rally these markets if that weather forecast plays out. What about all this talk that we continue to hear about wondering, especially with the way this wheat crop isn't coming along in Oklahoma, Kansas, and the talk of switching to bean acres? Is that pretty much been done, factored in, or is there still that potential out there? I mean, I think the market is is, is factoring it in. You know, I think you know, uh, you know, I think a lot of some of the weakness coming into soybeans on top of maybe some China tariff. Negotiation volatility, you know, the idea that we are putting some more bean acres in, um, and 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 you know, when we look at the balance sheet for the U.S., trend line yields going to be slightly above trend line yields with an extra, let's say, maybe million acres. We're going to play a soybean lying around, and of, uh, and of course, Brazil's got a ton of soybeans to sell like, that they're selling right now. So, very hard for us to get excited about the balance sheet for soybeans with extra acres coming in later this season, especially if we have a cooler than normal uh, back half of the summer. You know, it just means big, big crops for soybeans. So it's, it's a concern for us. It's our least favorite market right now. For the wheat, are we seeing some influence coming from the Black Sea region? I'm sorry, what was that? Are we seeing some influence from the Black Sea region for this wheat market? Well, the stronger dollar means that, you know, competitive 
uh, com competition from alternative exports becomes more of an issue. We've been trading at a premium because of our weather problems, because the market's been concerned about what our crop size would be. And so without a doubt, when you look at our exports of wheat, they've been kind of behind the USDA's target. Um, looks like they might have to lower those, that, those numbers down some because we're losing business to the, to the Black Sea region and others. So I guess I agree that, especially with the rising dollar, we're definitely uh, you know, feeling some of that from there. How are we seeing the dollar then, Sean, affecting the rest of this grain complex? Well, it's not good. You know, I mean, we, we have been talking about a dollar bottoming in the spring you know, for quite some time and having what we call a bear market rally. Every market eventually has a counter rally. We think this rally can last all through the summer into the fall. And, and, it, and, it's, and the margin, what happens is eventually exports start to get clipped, um, as, as they always do. So we think, it, we think the grain markets can kind of hang in there if weather gets involved here in the first part of the summer. But we think once we get through that and we get some better weather in the U.S., the dollar is going to have a more pronounced impact on impacting you know, lower grain prices later in the summer. Uh, so we think it's something to worry about, probably not yet, but something to worry about later on for, uh, you know, for, for greater impact. I had a, a banker on the air with me earlier today, and he made the comment to producers to make sure that they're keeping in con constant contact with folks like you to be able to market this crop because he said they're getting just so involved with getting everything in the ground. They need to remember the advance, the, the, the marketing plans that have to be in place to be able to get the best revenue possible. Well, that's true, and we, and we know sometimes you have very short periods of time to take swift action. As we know, the last couple of years, you know, you've had days to, to make sales in the summer to catch a good price. If you did not have a marketing plan in place ahead of that and were scrambling and trying to figure out what to do, you missed the window to do something. So it, you're absolutely right, and your banker uh, was absolutely right in saying that you, know, you need to be prepared and ready so when the, it's time to pull the trigger, when, when Sean says it's time to sell you know, corn in July or whatever it may be, that you don't hesitate, you know, where you're going to go with it, how much you're going to sell, and how you're going to do it. Always best, so. always best, Sean, to have that plan in place ahead of time, isn't it? Without a doubt. We were, planning is 80% is of getting the job done. So Before we had to break, we've been a lot of talk of weather, and we've, we focus so much on the Midwest. I kind of want to quickly look at your neck of the woods with all the rain that's coming in. How much of a factor does that cause for concerns for, for growers in, in the southern part of the U.S.? Well, I would say, you know, right now it's not a you know, problem yet. Um, but, you know, it can certainly become a problem. And the southeast has been getting inundated with rains, and it's expected to uh, continue to get inundated with rains. Uh, uh, you know, we're getting just a lot of tropical moisture that's pushing up into the uh, southeast. And, you know, if we get the kind of totals that they're talking about, it could become a problem. The Fontenelle final bell coming up after this. Hey, listen up, rodeo fans across the territory. Turn up 880 Friday evening between 5 and 6 bells for KRVN this evening. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, where we are being joined by Sean Hackett with Hackett Financial Advisors. We look at this dairy industry. You have had some very positive things to say the last couple of times you've joined us for the Final Bell, and today is uh, no different. You're talking some new highs that have been set in some dairy prices. Yes, we, we push into a new highs in a lot of uh, months here for, uh, for Class 3 milk. We've been rallying all year. Um, we've been bullish all year long, and what's really been starting to happen, and kind of a new twist to why we're still optimistic we could get a further move higher here, is that California 
had a very unusual reproductive cycle last year due to some intense heat. And what it means is, is that they are going to have to dry down cows out of production over the next couple of months uh, to, to a, a record degree, meaning the amount of cows coming off of production is going to really, really be high, which is going to reduce the output out of California at the same time that most dairymen out west are reducing or eliminating the milk-enhancing RBST hormone that they have been giving cows to produce extra milk. Most of the country is moving away from this due to consumer backlash. So when we look at this, some of the numbers we're starting to see from our dairy customers out in California is that their production levels are really crashing and they're the number one producing state in the country. So we think that, that this is going on at the same time that we have record setting domestic demand for cheese, for example, greater than 4% in last night's USDA report on disappearance. It really sets the stage for a supply crunch over the next couple of months and should offer dairymen a great opportunity to sell, you know, a very, very good margin from many months ago when they were losing quite a bit of money. So we're very excited for that opportunity, dairymen, to get ahead of this, be prepared for this, and obviously to profit from it. You know, you hate to always see something bad happen to, to producers in one part of the country, but it does have a trickle-down effect and bring some, some positive outlook for producers and others. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, 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 in every given year, there's some, always some farmers are doing, you know, getting the right end of it. And, some farmers are getting the short end of it, and overall, everybody gets their share. But, you know, we, we wish California producers weren't the ones getting that problem, but they are. But the Midwest and the Northeast and Southeast producers are going to benefit greatly. So in aggregate, it's going to be a net positive for the U.S. dairy industry as a whole. Which is good news, because as we all know, there has been such struggles within the dairy industry all across the U.S. It's nice to see some positive light at the end of this tunnel. Absolutely. And, you know, higher place we were back in January and most analysts, you know, were very bearish and telling producers they really had no hope or no future. We're glad that our forecast turned out to be right and we're, and we're looking like we're going to see prices be able to be, um, you know, very good for producers and, and allow them to, you know, once again get into a better financial spot and, and ease their bankers' anxieties, which have been very high lately over the last three or four months. Switching gears to the other side of the livestock side, this cattle market on the live side has definitely had some struggles again today. Yeah, well, we made that hard low on April 4th. You remember, we had that big spike low, and then we reversed higher, and, and the market rallied up. Um, and, and we're doing what, what's, what's a kind of called a classical retest, where you make a hard low, you rally, and the market does a, a secondary low, a retest. We think we're going to probably make a higher low here and not go all the way down and retest the April 4th lows. We think this is a bottoming action and setting the stage for a seasonal rally into the midsummer. Even though supplies are super large and we don't see those supplies going away, we do think the warming up, uh, you know, temperatures of the U.S., the delayed seasonal demand for um, protein is going to, you know, kick in. And our exports, of course, remain record-setting despite all the concerns about tariffs and NAF and everything else, we still have had very, very good exports for cattle and for hogs. And, and so overall, we still think demand will be supportive to nudging these markets higher. Not, you know, not a dramatic you know, bull market move, but you know, maybe a 10% rally into the middle of the summer. How long is this hammering going to continue for this feeder cattle market? How much of the what? Of a hammering are they going to have to take on this feeder cattle market before they start to see a turnaround? Well, we think we're pretty close. You know, I mean, you know, always hard to pick the exact day, but I mean, we think we're within a week of Printing a secondary low, we don't think there's a lot more to go to the downside. 
one of the indicators we use for our customers and for our reports that we put out is something called smart money indicator that uses COT data every Friday. And we've been seeing abnormally large smart money buying in feeder cattle that is indicative of setting an important low every time we've seen it. So we're pretty optimistic that the smart money is actually digging their heels in and buying here very aggressively, expecting a, a pretty a pretty near-term loan to be set. And finally, with, the, with this hog market, they've seen some pressure as well. Sean, some commercial selling, technical concerns for them? I mean, there's some of that. You know, we continue to have the NAP is going to be agreed to, and it's not. NAP is going to be agreed to, and it's not. The NAP is going to be agreed to, and it's not. You know, and of course, uh, you know, that's important to the hog market and pork market because of Mexico's influence. All right, best way for folks to reach you, Sean? I would say the best way is just to go to our website, Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors, with an S on the end, dot com, and all the information that they might want to take a look at is there and download a free report and that sort of thing. I think they could be uh, well-suited to check us out there. All right, that is Sean Hackett joining us on the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Row Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.